Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we are happy to bring you the truth of Jesus Christ that has come down to us over the last 2,000 years. We have had one holy Catholic apostolic church, and on this channel, Catholic Truth, we preach the inconvenient truth sometimes, the difficult truth, which does not, uh, a lot of people don't preach and we don't get monetized for, but we preach it anyways. And uh, so if you would like to be a supporter of our ministry and help us to keep preaching and help us to keep reaching people, please check out our PayPal, our Patreon and our social media down below. And uh, thank you for tuning in. We have a special guest today because June is, as they say, Gay Pride Month. And a lot of people have questions. Can, uh, can Catholics participate in that? Can, you know, can, can we support people who are, who consider themselves transgender? Can we support people who say that they're gay? You know, you know, would it be unloving not to support them? I mean, shouldn't we? And, you know, a lot of people have good questions and should we even be calling people gay? Is that an insult to them? I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of things on this show today. And to do that, we have a very special guest and his name is Hudson Biblo. He's been on our show before he, and he had a wonderful interview about his conversion story and testimony um, from uh, same-sex attraction to Jesus Christ. And we have that. We will post it later on. And if you don't know Hudson, he's actually an international Catholic speaker who speaks on the topics of relationships and human sexuality, especially in relation to Pope John Paul and his uh, theology of the body. He has been a consultant and editor on several books and has written uh, countless articles around the country for some of the biggest organizations. So he's getting the message out there that needs to be spoken. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Hudson. We're really glad that you've come back on our show again. Uh, thanks for having me. This is great. Thank you so much, Brian. Absolutely. And um, <laughs> I saw you chuckling as I was introducing the show and using some of the, you know, modern coinage of terms, you know, nowadays. And you, you know, we're saying before the show that there needs to be so much catechesis on this topic because so many people are so confused on so many different, on both sides of the fence, people are confused. So, you know, I know you in the past have struggled with, you know, uh, sexual attract, uh, same-sex attraction. You've talked about that on this show. So I'm just curious about your thoughts on, you know, gay pride month, you know, and should Catholics be celebrating that? And, you know, many might just want to simply affirm their friends or their family, or they, you know, they might just want to love them by affirming them and that sort of thing. But how should we as Catholics view this topic? Uh, well, great question. <laughs> it's not a small question. No, I ap- um, it's not. Yeah, I apologize. Oh uh, well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, even while you're saying this, is just the idea that um, I, I do have faith that um, no matter where someone is and their, uh, what they're trying to do, I, I want to believe that they're sincerely trying to do what they think is the right thing. They're pursuing uh, justice through, um, through trying to love as best as they know how to love, right? And um, of course, we all know that we grow in our understandings of what love means and what it looks like over time. So I think as long as people continue on a journey towards uh, understanding what love would look like and demand of us, uh, the, our, we will be at least pointed towards the right direction on this because it's really tough because um, there are, as you know, as everyone knows, people are kind of all over the place on this. And it's like, well, well, where's the church? And, and that's kind of the marked, ab- I would say, not absence, but like it, it, it takes a back seat. And I mean, I've, I've, I've seen enough presentations and everyone's seen the presentations. Well, like 
this is chastity and this is the paragraph on homosexuality and it's like here's a paragraph of the catechism and there's no real practical uh, i mean that that in and of itself is very good and very practical uh, if you can dig into it but um it does sort of seems to be where where it it doesn't go much farther than that and so people are left wondering well like okay that's nice but like what do i do when um you know my niece confides in me that she's thinks she's a boy right and she's like in high school and and it's like it's like so a lot of parents are uh, especially i think getting hit with these questions because um you know just like we didn't grow up in the world of today so there's lots of things happening today that we're not we're not kind of prepared to uh address well unless we've done a lot of homework on it but the homework can seem to be insurmountable but it doesn't need to seem that way it, it is completely something that everybody can engage in in a healthy way if we first and foremost elevate our eyes to heaven and keep our eyes focused on jesus christ and keep exploring what his love truly looks like. If we can do that, and, and, of, and of course, we, this involves the formation of our conscience within the, um, according to the truths upheld by the church, not just willy-nilly conscious formation, which is really like a succumbing to our own desires. Do whatever you want. Exactly. Um, so all of this stuff happens. And if people are on that journey going forward, then we can get to a better place. And I like what you said, if they do it in a healthy way, I feel like parents have a, not just parents, educators, Catholics in general have, because you said we haven't been taught and that we really haven't, people haven't read the writings of the church, which are really good. Um, I feel like people have one or two extremes, either acceptance, like, oh, it's okay, sweetie. Everything's okay. You're that way. That's okay. Or rejection. Many have the opposite problem where they just say, oh, that's bad. That's evil. You're bad. Get out of my house or something like that. And I don't feel like they know how to react the way that Christ would react or the church has said we should. Right, right. And that's a big, that's a big point right there is there's this perception of the church is imposing. And if you like, if you're going to like explain church teaching, you're imposing something on me that's violating, you know, the premise of who I am. And this is a, this is probably the biggest nuance of language that I think we could get up to the whole world right now is that we have to understand that though it is possible to um, externally impose things like uh, abstinence or, or celibacy, it's not possible to externally impose chastity the church proposes her teachings overall and the church proposes us that we grow in the fullness that we strive to grow in the fullness of virtue which includes striving to grow in chastity and um, for as long as people don't understand the difference between abstinence celibacy and chastity we're going to get a lot of people who think that the church is imposing chastity and that is categorically incorrect it's not possible to impose something on someone when they have the free will to choose it or reject it and chastity starts here and here in, in our choices to strive to, or our choices to surrender ourselves to the design of God when it comes to sexuality. So chastity is a mindset long before action, the desire to live chastely. So we have to get that into, into people's uh, minds and hearts so that we use language correctly. Uh, it'll be less off-putting. It'll help maybe some people who are onlookers say, well, I never thought of that before. Um, and then it can break open new conversations about what the church, the, the richness of the church is teaching, which, which, I mean, I have come to understand are truths upheld by the church. God has written creation and the church is like, hey, look at that. This is how our bodies work. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of freedom in that, in, in that surrender. 
but uh, it took uh, <laughs> took the grace of God to get there, which is why the prayers of everybody matter. You know, every time that we're suffering, especially um, a lot of parents don't know that you can they, like they're suffering because their their kid is has been their mindset has been hijacked by an ideological movement. Okay, so they still love their kid, but they're like, how can I? They're suffering on account of that that mindset that has been um, taken on and, and it's like, but you can still offer those sufferings for the salvation of souls and for the, for the souls in purgatory. So you can still do much great good with anything that's hard. So if we, we could focus on those things and turn uh, any downtrodden or downcast um, uh, darkness, let's say, or interior like struggle, turn it into a, a gift to God so that he can give that gift to others. And that honestly, I've seen people like go through that transformation and what they are on the other side is joyful. And this is big, <laughs> just talking and talking. This is big because um, if we don't turn our hardships over to the Lord, what, what we, what can happen is that the parents, the parents will, who are still angry will, t- will take out their angry anger. They'll take out their anger against the ide- ideological movement. They'll confuse that with the kid that's in front of them. And that's a very bad situation. It's like, sure, the, the, the ideological movement has, has, has infiltrated uh, the fullness of our culture nearly. Um, and it's training people on how to think and how to perceive themselves and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe day, brainwashing, maybe not uh, training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, but at the end of the day, that, that 13-year-old who's coming to you or that six-year-old that's coming to you or that 21-year-old that's coming to you, is, is saying uh, a lot of the time, like it, there's a lot of the time is saying like, I, I really want you to love me. I'm, I'm maybe I, I, this is where I'm at right now in my head, but I, w- I need to know if you love me. And so the question is, what do we say at that moment? Do we do a lot of listening? Yes. Um, but at the same time, there has to be listening with the guidance towards the truth in a way that's inappropriate in that relationship. And if there is a true relationship, maybe dialogue can happen. One of the one of the sad things that happens is that sometimes kids don't talk to their family until they've been long been re-educated, <laughs> brainwashed, as you say. But uh, I could say that too. They're brainwashed by this ideological uh, movement for a long time, and then they come to their parents. So they've already become an empty shell of who they used to be, and they are pure, like spouting ideological ideological positions. And then that's just a whole different ballgame. Mm. Because what? And then and then the thing is like there's going to be oftentimes there is uh, attempts to, to manipulate. Like, you don't love me unless you do this. Or if, uh, if, uh, if you did this, then that, you know, then you would prove that you love me. And like, in what other context do we accept that kind of dynamic? Like never. Right. So, so, but it's tough, right? Because parents I want to love their kids. So we have to continue to grow and understand what that love means. Maybe the greatest love that we can give our kids is to, uh, is 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 to is to to love them in a way that will try to get them to heaven basically and even though that's going to probably have a price to pay here for us on earth and i want to come back to that and i want to come back to the tr- uh, transgender you know people coming out and that sort of thing and but uh i do i i am curious about your thoughts on the gay pride month you know and you know catholic involvement in it and what we should think about it how we should be reacting to it that sort of thing well, I'll start this question by imagining, uh, remembering, I used to teach in an Islamic school, okay? 
I got hired to teach in an Islamic school. And I said, are you sure? It's because uh, I'm a practicing Catholic. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. I was, it was wild how that happened. Wow. They said they, they would value my perspective having me in the school because I'd understand, I, I would stand for God, right? Um, even though we saw things differently as opposed to having some kind of like an atheist. So it was a really interesting hmm. time that I spent there. But one of the things that, so in social studies class, the kids would, I mean, we would, you take those teachable moments and you go with them. And I, that's not the teacher talking at the kids. That's the kids exploring their thoughts and ideas and all that kind of stuff. And, and one of the things that I learned from the kids that they like, what kind of grade sixer knows with complete assurance that, that the, um, the pride movement is like not going to permeate their culture. Like, where does that come from? Right. It comes from um, their, um, it, it became very apparent that uh, they they saw that as 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 the world, the West in particular, and we're not like that. We're Muslim, and it reminded me of like, well, why aren't Catholics saying like we're not like that? We're Catholic, right? That's that's a whole another ballgame. But they weren't bothered by it. The whole community, they're like, whatever. They're gonna. This is just gonna do its thing. And actually, again, the children <laughs> said that like this would this blew, blew my mind. Like more than a decade ago, a kid's telling me that the undoing of the structure of the West was going to happen because of this topic and that coming from like a grade six kid. So it's like, you know, that's not, they're not getting that on television. They're getting that through community messages and stuff like that. So, I mean, how do we, how do we respond to it? Well, we could take a page out of the Muslim prayer book and actually go and focus our limited energy on building an amazing and beautiful Catholic community. If we provided something more beautiful relationally, uh, with sites and sites and everything, then perhaps it would be more attractive to the kids, you know? And uh, a lot of the kids today are confused by it, you know, because they, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, everyone, you know, I, I think you see the memes come out, you know, like all the businesses before Pride Month and they have <laughs> no flags, and then all the businesses after. It seems like everyone needs to affirm this for some reason. And I don't understand. No one else is being affirmed, just they're being affirmed. And it's, I don't you get know, it. That's an interesting one. Cause like there's, there's a, a pride, uh, an LGBTQ activist who, who's not terribly friendly to me, but we did, we talked a few times, but he, uh, or not friendly with my position, but he, he did mention that he lamented the, the frustration of how like the movement was getting hijacked by, uh, the capitalists, right? It's like now there's money to be made in that movement, right? Well, there's an entire industry built upon that movement in many ways. And so that the people who, uh, many people who just simply desire to have like, you know, to be seen and to have the, like, you know, to feel included, they're, they're not for that, right? It's, but it's just kind of become its own animal. You know what I'm saying? Getting back to the the pride topic and gay pride month and all that kind of stuff. I, I thought you were going to say, you know, as we prepare for the celebrating the month of the sacred heart of Jesus, of course. Ah. That's what Catholics should be <laughs> celebrating in June. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm just teasing. Um, so it's just like with any question, it's like, and you mentioned support at the beginning. It's like, well, really in this month, let's like, we can, this can't be put back in the box. Like it's, it's out there. So the question is, how do we respond to this? And it's like, well, we want to love people. We want to support people um, as they navigate their way through life. Um, asterisk, supposing that we're helping them point towards heaven. And that's really the ultimate thing is that um, if we are going to support or love people, we have to 
we have to make sure that we're not just doing it willy-nilly on according to our own conscience. And if we want to lead people to heaven, then we need to understand what is holy and virtuous and what is sinful. And I think that's a big struggle for a lot of people because they, they have not put uh, the, the church's definition of these things above their own attachments. And so you have people saying, well, this is a sin and that's a sin, but really they have become the judges of that. They haven't surrendered to what the wisdom of the church says. Now, someone would say, well, why would you even bother doing that? The church changes and this and that. And it's like, well, that's not, ex- that's not, I mean, in his pastoral responses to things, yes, there has been developments and changes in how the church like teaches things, right? But the, their church, church teaching can be divided at least into this way, which is ways of responding to humans and what has been written into creation. And so people have to understand that sin also pertains to what has been written into creation. Catechism 1849 talks about sin being a rejection of truth. Well, that's what's authored into creation. Um, that could be something against what's written into creation. And um, if people aren't thinking about, um, wow, this, this is sinful, um, then they're, how would they know if they're not lockstep with the devil, basically? right? Ushering someone straight into uh, a further sinful uh, trajectory. And this is the big point is that what does that support look like? Is that support like, I'm going to try to receive someone where they are and just kind of like listen and just kind of help them understand that I value them and I love them as they have been created by God into uh, God's love note to the world, potentially, right? They could do so much beautiful things in the world. Um, but we are maximally affected in that, maximally effective in that if we ourselves uh, enter into uh, the trajectory that is in alignment with what God has authored. We're not fighting against what God has authored. And so like uh, that, that, would, that, would, that would include like being open to growing in, in, in the, the fullness of virtue. There's all these virtues, but chastity is, talks about the successful integration of our sexuality. So um, to be growing in holiness to be growing in the fullness of holiness, to growing in the fullness of virtue, to be open to that. And which, which means if we're affirming kids into the a mindset that counters chastity or counters growing in the fullness of virtue or counters growing in the fullness of holiness or fullness of Christ, we're actually entrenching them in a mindset that uh, within which uh, truth is, is rejected. And I feel like we only do that in this category yeah yeah i think yeah i think people are just i think people are just scared they don't know what to do and they're scared so it's like well if i don't do this you know how it is it's like like i'm going to affirm my kid in this way because i want to love them and i haven't catechized i haven't haven't taken the time to catechize myself properly or to pursue greater truth and so this is all i can do that's one aspect the other aspect is is the is is um is the threat that well if i don't affirm my kid like fully this way then they're going to go kill themselves and it's like, which is a lie. There's so much that could be opened up on that. You know, like, it's like, I think that is, I, I do agree that that is a, a, a an evil threat. Um, there's, we know that there's people been, who've been coached into saying things like that to, to like, to gain the, the support from their parents. So we know there's there's people like whispering into the ears of kids telling them you should say these things because then they can't they have to take it seriously you know, um, but the, I'm rem- I'm reminded of uh, remember that that Robin Williams actor, yep, Robin Williams. Yeah. So yep. everybody like when Robin Williams uh, commits suicide, uh, it was all over the place that uh, it was like 
it was like mental illness awareness, like super injection. Right, exactly. Which was great. And and one of the things that came up was to do with the connection of suicides and mental illness. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that uh, any kid who's who's wondering about how they fit into this world or adult is mentally ill. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there there are factors that could be in play that need to be talked about because if someone's mental well-being is is not being addressed because people are too scared to talk about it because you just have to buy into this stuff full tilt um it's going to cost lives and that that bothers me and so what also bothers me is when there's like uh dissenting catholics who are spouting the same stuff it's like it's only because you didn't affirm them this way it's like well no no i mean there's, there's, there's many, there's many things. The wholeness of a person encompasses or encompasses many facets, you know, and we would do well to explore those many facets for the sake of trying to find out how we can best love these, the, the people who are, are, are navigating through this kind of stuff. And the best way to help them is to love them and to actually help them not to affirm something that's not good. That's not going to make them happy. And it's not going to fix the problem. And uh, we don't do wait, this. Wait, I got I got to mention something. So what you said, there is, it's not going to make them happy. I think it's very important for us to realize that like the idea of transition could make someone very happy because and I'll speak from my own experience. That idea was like an escape mechanism for me to feel, to escape the idea that, I was an unsuccessful boy. I wasn't good at boy. I must've been a girl and all that. And that's part of it. Right. And so the, the, that there was happiness on the horizon of that trajectory. But as I went down and down and down into that, I felt like it was a bait and switch. It was like this, all the promises of happiness and joy and stuff like that were, they weren't there. It was, it was not how it turned out. It wasn't true happiness. It was a not lasting happiness, temporary relief. Yeah, it was happiness, but certainly momentarily, but it certainly wasn't joy. In fact, it was led to despair. Yeah. And I hear that all, all throughout. And in fact, I uh, interviewed Walter, Walt Heyer on this channel, which was a fantastic interview. Yeah. And he lived as a woman, I think for seven or eight years and then came back and said, wait, I can't be a woman, you know, and he's just, and he's helping thousands of people around the country who are struggling with this and helping them to find their true identity, who they really are, because that's going to make them happy long-term. That's going to make them fulfilled long-term, not, you know, happy, not happy, happy, not happy. I changed. I'm happy. I changed back. I'm not, you know, like back. You you know, what's crazy is that saying that that proposal of saying your true identity, according to the conversion therapy laws, if, if I was to like say that, if I was to like, bring that into the public sphere like you know that could be determined to be a form of conversion therapy it could be against the law with like criminal uh criminal consequences isn't that wild Um, it is wild one of the things i like to bring up is like look if someone's trying to throw you in jail because you have an idea that's different than them then hello like there something is funny going on there you know like right it's it's that's crazy but it's like, and like I said before, this is the only topic that we do that on. We don't go up to an anorexic and say, oh, you know what? You think you're fat. I love you. And so I'm going to affirm that truth in your life. That is a truth. And I love you for that. And we don't go up to an alcoholic and say, you know what? You're an alcoholic. You know what? I don't like alcohol per se, but you know, what? I love you. So I'm going to affirm you drinking too much. And we don't do that. It doesn't even, it sounds silly just coming out of my mouth. But yet we do that when it comes to sexuality for some reason. And I think there's, probably a lot of reasons for that one, because we've bought into the fact that 
maybe sexuality can be part of our identity and it's really not. It's not who we are. It's not our identity, which is the problem with that whole law in the first place. And second, I think our whole culture is a culture of sin and that is not catechized. And we've, we're indulging in all sorts of sexual activities and sexual promiscuity and sleeping before marriage and adultery and other stuff. And so maybe we don't see it as that bad, you know, because we're not living for God. I mean, again, there's probably a lot more reasons than that, but those are two off the top of my head. And it's funny, like you said, like maybe that's why it's like, it's, it's exactly why we see it like that. A catechism 1860 or 1865, I can't remember sentence number two talks about that. It's like sin, sin clouds our conscience, like it clouds our conscience. And then we can't, uh, once, you know, when our conscience is clouded, it becomes more and more difficult to do deter, to properly identify what is good and holy and what is not. So, I mean, the fact that, I mean, we, uh, we the fact that we are where we are in our culture and what our culture celebrates, it should be no shock that there's a big celebration of rejecting of God's order in terms of the human body. And I mean, which, which ultimately also carries with it for many people who go down this road, sterility. So, I mean, to, to, to willfully sterilize people um, like that, like if, if, if a person isn't aware that, 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 that is like something to examine in terms of like trying to be a good Catholic, then they're, they're really, we just really need to pray like, and pray and fast and do that like lots, because that's the state of the world that we have right now. But here's the thing, right? It's easy to become like downcast and downtrodden over this stuff, but we too have to remember to lift our eyes to Christ. And, and instead of like, instead of getting trapped and even talking about all this stuff and making the focal point, it's like, we look to our, look to God, strive to grow in the fullness of virtue, live the joy, hope, uh, freedom, and peace of pursuing that such that when crap hits the fan, you know, we're the ones left standing with an untroubled heart. It's like, yeah, there's going to be suffering no matter what you do. So we can pursue the fullness of virtue and grow in the fullness of holiness. And even if someone's coming to it to try to threaten us, throw, in, throw us in jail, get rid of our jobs, uh, whatever, attack us in front of the churches and stuff like that, um, bring it. I mean, I'm, that's not, I'm not egging it on, but it's like, suppose that comes, we will be able to stand there with the peace of Christ. And some of the onlookers watching this will be like, wow, there's something, there's something about this. I need to explore what this is. The, the, that, there's something about that person they're, they're peaceful while they're suffering and there's going to be suffering i'm not i'm not going to sugarcoat it we're going to suffer what i really what really makes me sad is that a lot of the people are backwards completely backwards like they have good intentions and they good, have good hearts they want to affirm people who are maybe you know say, say they're same-sex attraction or say they're a man when they're a woman and vice versa but are we really helping them by telling them something that's not true Like people will always say, oh, you don't love them. You hate them. I'm like, I actually love them, which is why I tell them they're not a boy if they're a girl and they're not a girl if they're a boy. And if an anorexic is skinny and she thinks she's fat, I don't tell her she's fat because I love her. I want to, I want her to see the truth. I want her to grapple with reality. I want her to see how God made her and who she really is. That's why I don't even agree with so many people like, oh, I'm gay. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm trans. I'm like, no, you're a human being first and foremost. <laughs> you know, that's every time you say that you're identifying yourself as that, but you're not, you're a son or daughter of God. And so I've had people say, you know, Hey, my, my name's John. I'm gay. 
I'm like, my name is Brian. I'm French. Nice to meet you. You know, I'm like, French does not define me. You know, my English side of me does not define me. My sexuality does not define me. And so I really strive to love these people in who they are. I really want them to get the help they need. And that's why I like what uh, Walt Heyer says. He says, you know, we're actually hurting these people who need help. They're crying out for help all around our society. And we're not actually helping them by affirming them. Yeah. Like I'll, I, I would point people to just look at the exploding number of detransitioners as, as, a, as just YouTube search detransitioner stories. It's like, it's like, sure. You, you good hearted people want to do the right thing. And they, they've been schooled to believe by it. Cause they, they're, they're not unplugging from the media. They're schooled to believe it looks like this. But it's like all those detransitioner kids who some of them who will never be able to have children now um, and who are missing body parts. How, like, how did they fit into your matrix of reality? How do you how do you do justice to their story? Do you even know they exist? Interestingly, last time I remember, I remember checking this a while ago, I was like the word detransitioner is not recognized as a word even like the mainstream won't even like. You know, you can get the red underline on Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft Word. <clears throat> it's like, it's like the existence of detransitioners is that needs to be a focus. And I would say that's probably better than instead of like this, instead of, um, I think it's, it's a much greater proposal because it, it's, it's somebody's story. And be like, have you heard this story? You need to consider this person's story. And by the way, the detransitioners who have come to know Jesus and they come from the Catholic faith or even Christian non-Catholic, um, that sense of betrayal that they have um, <clears throat> from the Christians who were supposed to love like Christ and who ushered them down the trail of transitioning. Um, that's a real sense of betrayal. And uh, uh, we have to make sure that people can see those stories. And, and otherwise, I mean, the, like we're just, I just think that that is the most, the most important focus right now is to get those detransitioner stories out because people will listen to stories more than they'll listen to a lecture. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But uh, in regard, I think it's similar to the gay pride month, whole so-called, you know, like what are we taking pride in? You know, I mean, we want to be seen for who we are. We want people to notice us, but is our sexuality who we are? Is that what we should be celebrating? I mean, that is that even even close to the biggest part of us? I mean, what is yeah. our identity, and what should we be celebrating? What should we be taking pride in? The, I I I <clears throat> I get that, and I understand what you're saying. I think of um, so there was this Russia-Ukrainian kind of war thing going on, right? So you know, I'm part Ukrainian. I went on this Ukraine whatever support for Ukraine march and all these people were identifying as Ukrainian. And it's like, well, that's not who the fullness of you are either, but, and I'm not trying to legitimize the idea of identifying as LGBTQ because I do think there's, there's a far greater um, impact on how a person perceives what they ought to do to be fulfilling. And I can self-identify as Ukrainian. And then that's not going to impact how I um, like, how I'm going to relationally pursue life. That's just a side thing. Um, but, but, but the point is that in, in the time of, uh, perceived, uh, or real feeling like suppression of a group, it, it, it does make sense that people, and not that I think it's good or bad, but it just, the human behavior would be to rally around this point. 
and say, this is, you know, this is who we are. It, there's solidarity and strength. Now, in the LGBTQ movement, that, that for certain seemed to be at the beginning of it, but now it's become this juggernaut that's unstoppable, and it's much more than that. And now it's, I mean, it's very obvious that it's about forming the mindsets of everyone in the world, including children, to, to, to warm up to this and say that this is just fine, this is great. And it's like, other voices are not allowed to have airtime. Yeah, we were talking before the show uh, about Bill Maher, who is an incredibly liberal uh, commentator, pretty anti-Catholic. And he actually had a segment on LGBTQ and why we can't question. And the fact that we can't question is problematic in itself. And he almost sounded like he was a right-wing Catholic. Like <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. And um, so the fact that we aren't allowed to question is problematic. And I mentioned that now they're brainwashing us on a whole different level. They're actually starting to put transgender books in schools in some states, like I believe Massachusetts, I believe it's kindergarten through eighth grade. Each grade has a different, uh, has different books to teach kids about transgender. And I told my mom, who's in Massachusetts, why hasn't anyone rallied? Why isn't there outrage? Why are people allowing us to brainwash with their less than 1% of, you know, ideology around the country? I was like, it doesn't make sense to me. I was like kind of going off on her. But you know, this, it, it, it logically makes sense that this is where we're at now. I rem- it's interesting you brought up Massachusetts because back in the day, I think Massachusetts is one of the first states to pass the same-sex marriage bill or something. And people are like, ah, whatever, it doesn't- have it forced it, on them, by the way. It, with, pardon? I think, uh, the, I think the, the people voted against it, but the judges passed it through anyways. Right, right. So, uh, but people are like, ah, whatever. Like a lot of people, it doesn't, it's not in my backyard. It doesn't matter, whatever, right? But what that does, as soon as something is legislated- now the, uh, the school curriculums can be impacted by the legislation. If it wasn't legislated, then it wouldn't have as much of an impact on school curriculums. So then school curriculums transform to, to create certain ideas to be um, presented and to be visible and to be more um, accepted for better or for worse. Uh, and so now you have what, 20 years of that. And so like, it's, it's, if it's not, it's not illogical that other things coming from that um, the mindset that uh, sexuality uh, departing from chastity uh, is is just the next step. It's okay. So I'm not shocked that any of this stuff is happening. And interestingly, um, how many how like you would want to know? I guess who are the gatekeepers? You know of these schools, right? Are and and uh, the gatekeepers to the library. Who gets what books into the library? You know who gets what books into the schools. And I mean, if I just look at the Catholic world and how many people are pro uh, LGBTQ, I mean, it's probably all the more in the non-Catholic world. And so it's basically like the massive tidal wave is, is coming up. It's, it's, it's peaking. And now there's, there's really, it's like a person could spend their entire life trying to like, like, um, you know, plugging a, plugging, plugging a million holes in a ship with a thumb, you know, like, and that's 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 a futile approach, and we that's again why we need to lift our eyes to God and say, okay, you've permitted all of this. It's 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 we are reaping the benefits or the fruits. Let's call it the fruits. We're reaping mm-hmm. the fruits of the inaction of the people before us, 
um, in terms of the inability to provide uh, a living example of chastity that is impactful enough that people would desire it for themselves. So people don't even know what it is. They can't even, some people can't even fathom that people could be joyful in, in pursuing Jesus, period, never mind, despite experiencing same-sex attractions or transgender inclinations. Um, so we, I, I would say that like we're, we're in a, we're living the, um, the after effects of, of, um, of, of not, not living our faith, like collectively, you know, for, I think that's a great point, a really good point. And I think of like the fact that Jesus told us to evangelize, right. He told us to preach it from the rooftops. He told us to light a, you know, bushel basket and be a light to the world. He said, go preach to all nations and teach them everything I have commanded you. And what did we do? For the last 50 years, we've had the sexual revolution and the new age movement and a rebellion against authority. And many, many, many Catholics have joined in that. And we've stopped living our faith. We threw off the shackles of the church. We threw off the shackles of authority with one generation after another, not teaching the kids their faith and not living it themselves. And so we have we've reaped what we've sown. And in, in, yeah. in fact, you know, and, and, and the idolization of pleasure. And that looks like many things. So much so uh, pleasure at the expense of healthily developing children. And now today's manifestation would be parents who like love to play on their phones and do TikTok videos that they're crying children. We've seen those sorts of things. <laughs> like, but it's like, but what this is all doing is just creating further wounding. It's, it's just contributing to the, the it's contributing to a, to, I was going to say the destruction of society. And I, I can say that, yeah, it is because when people are um, going down the roads of, of exploitation and relational downfall, um, it's, it's not going to be good. It could have been so much better, you know, but where there is darkness, there is Easter Sunday, you know, good Friday, Easter Sunday. So I don't lose hope on this. It sounds like a dark topic, but like, if you go into the spiral of how this has impacted so many people and like, gosh, how many detransitioners, like you just got to listen to their stories. It's like, God can use everything. He'll use every the person like, look at, look at Walt, for example. Right. So he, his whole life now, he's turned that over to the Lord, you know, and that's the thing. Like, so the, the Lord restores what the locust has eaten away. So all the years of our lives that we might've didn't do things right. And we have some kind of conversion, um, you know, maybe it's a detransitioner, maybe it's someone who was an ally and they realize they, they shouldn't, they, they really, they have come to know Jesus Christ and they realize that their true allyship should be with like, with the Lord and truth. Um, God can use all of that and he will, you know, for his Amen. And I think it's the same with Catholics who have walked away. Tons of Catholics have left the church and it can be overwhelming. But yeah. what we don't realize and what many Catholics today don't realize is that a lot of those Catholics become on fire for Jesus. They learn a lot about Jesus. They read the Bible and then they come back to the church more well-formed than before. So we're, yeah. you know, we're bringing a lot of them and in better condition. So, you know, it's easy to get focused on, Oh, look at all the numbers being lost. Look at all the churches closing. Yeah. That is a manifestation of our lack of faith over the last 60, 70 years. But you know what? The solution is just that for us to become saints, for us to become holy, for us to start praying and fasting for us to stop being addicted to 
technology and letting that take away from our relationship with God. Why aren't we praying for an hour a day? We should be praying for an hour a day, people. If that sounds like madness to you, then perhaps we're distracted with too many other things in this world. And I know if you have six kids, that might be difficult, but that doesn't mean we don't find times to pray throughout the day, you know, or or, or times just to sit in silence or times just to, even if you're in the shower, which can be difficult if you have kids screaming and raging, but you know what? We need to be the saints and God is calling us to be the solution to the problems in this world. But that starts with, with uh, holiness. If you look at the lives of the saints versus the life of, say, Martin Luther, what did Martin Luther do? He saw the same problems in the church that the saints did, but he, and he tried to fight against them. But when he did, he wasn't the man for the job. You know, he didn't have that holiness of life. When he ran into a wall, he got angry. He got stubborn. He got bitter. He started cursing the church. He started cursing the Pope. And he just kind of went off the edge with this insanity. Whereas when the saints ran into the same problems in the church and they couldn't fix them, they prayed more. They fasted more. They offered things up to God more. And they ended up reforming the church through a lot, as Hudson said, through a lot of suffering. They took that suffering. They offered it up to God for the conversion of souls and for for sinners, including themselves. And uh, that has restored the church uh, tenfold. I mean, if you read the lives of the saints, even in the midst of really tough times, they're very, very inspiring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all that stuff about the saint saint talk here, I love it. And it reminds me of one of the most important things ever that I I like to bring up about this whole topic is that... um, it doesn't matter where someone is or what, what someone has done in their life is like where a person decides to go from this point forward um, by cooperating with the grace of God is what really matters. And, and it's true that like that, that person that, you know, has, has, has entered into like puberty blockers and transitioning right now, or that person who is in, engaged in uh, same sex, sexual behavior, whatever. It's like one day they could become the church's next great saint. If, if there uh, there enters um, a cooperation with God's grace to to incrementally suitable to their to to what God has in store for them, um, uh, God's grace to uh, to help them surrender to Jesus a little more each day. I mean that's something for all of us. In fact, with that thought, we are all in this battle together to to strive to uh, detach from things that are not Jesus Christ. And so, so it's, it's, I just love it. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. So somebody calls me and be like, yeah, my kids, da-da-da, trans. It's like, it's like, look, look, like never lose sight, never lose sight. Your kid could be the next greatest saint of the church. You have to fast and pray for them. Yes. And then, and then in that you will not, you won't be so immobilized by your frustration and anger too. You'll be able to surrender that to the Lord. And then once again, become a beacon of light for whoever you encounter, right? Because you've learned to surrender that surrender is, is, the devil loves it when we become immobilized. And if we refuse to surrender that frustration or that anger, um, we become immobilized. We, we become, we come to, we do what the devil wants of us. So when we surrender to Jesus, there's such a freedom there. And I know parents who've, who've, who've been able to get there and they're like some of those beautiful lights of life and beauty in the church. And it's like, yeah, but they cooperated with God's grace to get there. They're not stuck in like, they're not stuck in that downward spiral anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, maybe we'll have to have you back on again to talk about some of this because there's so much more we could talk about. But I think one of the big things is just not letting your kids grow up in the world either, you know, as like un unadulterated, just, you know, not uh, so many parents don't check up on their kids. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you yeah. playing? What are you learning in school? What are your friends talking about? My mom used to drill us on this stuff all the time. And so she, as soon as she heard something, she would be like, boom, you know, like taking care of it rather than, oh, my kid came home and now he's trans. Well, how did it get to that point? Something, something. Yeah. How does it, that's the things don't happen overnight. And you, you know, bring up a good point here. Um, but there's more than just simply like saying like, what'd you do here? And then the other thing is, is how do we condition the desires of our children? It's like, if, if this is, this is the classic example. It's like, if I, if I like in, inculturate my child to be like the world, oh, but we're, we go to church, but outside of church, we basically do everything that we do in the world, you know, and that includes like, whatever the movies, the culture, everything like that. It's like, why on earth would we expect that the kid would make some radical radically anti-cultural uh, decision with their life with regard to sexuality. It makes zero sense. It's like, if we are conditioning our children to desire the ways of the world, they will most likely turn out like the world. And I they're don't understand being why brainwashed so at school. They're being brainwashed by their friends. They're being brainwashed everywhere. So if we want to counteract that, we actually need to catechize them without shoving it down their throat, without being a bully about it, without making them want to run away from it. We got to from uh, the youngest age, like my daughter is two and a half. She can already pray the Our Father and the Hail Mary in two languages. Like it's crazy, but yeah. because she, she I, I'm it, not forcing it on her. She wants to. The, the brainwashing ha is happening too at home though. And this is the thing. It's like, oh, my kid is watching YouTube. Well, all those little advertisements that pop out on the YouTube channel, you know what those are? YouTube has a special section on like gender ideology for like kids age three to six or something like that. It's in their terms. I found it myself on YouTube. Like, that programming is there, you know? So it, the thing is like, well, are you, are, what are, what are parents doing to condition the desire desires of their kids heart? Are you, are you trying to foster a desire for your kid to want to watch YouTube all the time? Are you trying to foster a desire for your kid to desire to fit in with the kids in the world? That's the thing, right? It's like, if there, all the, all the, all the, all the brainwashing of the world could be um, less, less impact if the kid simply knew enough about himself and where he fit into this world inside a Catholic context, that he would see these other kids and be like, I'm not thirsty to belong to this group. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, they shouldn't be playing. I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but I know parents who just let their kids play hours of video games and watch hours and hours of TV. And the more they love that entertainment, as you said, we have an over um, unhealthy uh, love for entertainment and pleasure. And uh, the more they love that, the less appeal there's going to be to do anything spiritual. Yeah. I mean, the flesh versus the spirit, right? If we're always indulging in everything that is flesh, why would we care about the spirit? We lose that spirit. We don't have a desire for it anymore. So we could probably do a whole show on this. But, <laughs> yeah, probably could. Yeah. Um, and I would love to have you back in the future to do a, you know, a few more shows, just kind of talk about each one of these in smaller segments, but um, Can is I there anything one, else you'd like to throw yeah, out before there, we leave? There is, there is one thing. It's like uh, some people they're like Hudson, you know, like you come across real hard hitting when it comes to dealing with other Catholics who like, let's say are dissenting Catholics or they've doubled down on their rejection of the, the truths of the church. And that might be a fair point because when people double down on rejecting the church, they're, you know, it's important to have some frank, frank discussions that aren't warm and fuzzy sometimes, but that's not the same as how 
us how we should be responding to people in the moment when people are coming to us uh you know with an authentic pastoral concern in, in that moment right and i guess i just want to say that um it's it's by God's grace that anyone is taking one edge uh, a step closer to Jesus, and if we happen to be part of that journey for them, then that is such a blessing and and also responsibility. And I think that we just need to, if we keep if we keep trying to listen with love, um, that's a good first step. And and because at the end of the day, like it's true that everybody's story is is it, it does matter. It's how they become to where how they come to where they are right now. Um, and if we can receive that lovingly, even though it might hurt or stretch us a little bit, if we can receive that, um, we can at least begin the foundations of, 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 of what could be like rela- relation, relations, uh, relationship in, in within which um, the joy of Jesus Christ that resides in our heart might, they might have more chances to see it without being, without, a, without, because they'll be open to us. Do you know what I mean? So, and so that's one thing. And at the same time, when it comes to being challenged on things, we do have to stand up for truth. If we don't stand up for something, then we truly stand for nothing. So. Amen. Yes. God have mercy on us. We need to start standing up again and defending our faith again and loving again, which means we need to start having apologetics classes. We need to be, you know, taught. And so definitely people, if you haven't subscribed to our channel, check it out and see how we answer people on all different topics across the board. Some people watch all of our videos, all like 200 and they just take notes and they want to learn how to explain and defend their faith. So I would challenge you to do that. And we're going to be developing courses to be helping that in the future and uh, developing apologetic seminars and uh, private teachings and everything that you need to help you defend your faith, to know it, to love it, to live it out in the world. And that is difficult, but I want to thank you Hudson for coming on uh, today and thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thanks for having me. It was great to great to chat again. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have you back in the future. And I want to thank everyone else here uh, who is tuned in today and is still tuned in to the end. Thank you very much for watching. We really, really appreciate it. Please, please check out our social media below and follow us for daily inspiration. And please consider becoming a patron, 10, 20, 30, 50, 100, whatever dollars a month to help us reach the world with the truth, whether we get monetized on YouTube or not. And many times we don't. And and, and a thought comes into my mind, oh, should I do this topic? It's not going to be monetized. And then I'm like, what? Who cares? You know, we're doing it because it's true and it needs to get out there. Who cares about that? So, but with that being said, you know, if there is anyone who wants to support our ministry and loves what we do, then please you know, pray about that and consider it. And most of all, pray for us as we are always praying for all of you. May God bless you all.